This is your Drive Time News Blast. 30 minutes jam-packed with news of the day from a perspective of truth, liberty, and justice. This is Monica Perez. And I'm Brad Binkley. Today's top story continues to be, and I'm not kidding, coronavirus. But I feel like today there is a flashpoint. The stock market has started to tumble and people are starting to care. We, we got tweets just saying, okay, okay, okay. You've been talking about this coronavirus thing for a couple of weeks now. Now, uh, what? Because it's getting real. I'm personally <laughs> affected by it now. Exactly, exactly. And that, I think, is the point of this exercise or reality. I don't know. What I do want to do, because we have gotten a lot of requests recently for this, like, okay, I try to tune in and you're all, you've already been talking about it for so long. I need you to recap. I don't want to do it for a regular DNB listeners. So after this, let's talk together. Let's do a 20 minute, probably just recap overview of coronavirus, what it's all about, what we think it's all about. And then we'll just post that separately. But if you, if you want to kind of catch up or share it with people, turn them on to some deeper truths out there then this will be your opportunity. Yes. But the reason, yeah, the reason that it's really freaking people out is because it's affecting, for starters, the stock market. And and what we've talked about every single time here is that there was a simulation of a coronavirus in October that kind of laid out an 18-month unfolding of a virus like this and they said that the point was and they is the world economic forum bill and melinda gates johns hopkins the classic they they said that what that what they wanted to do here was to demonstrate they actually wanted to use the live simulation to prove that they needed to demonstrate to the business community that they not only have to prepare for a pandemic, but they need to buy into the policy agenda recommendations of this live simulation group and lobby governments to adopt these policies. So they're calling upon the private sector to influence the government, really a subversion of democracy at the highest level. I consider the World Economic Forum the kind of a worldwide incubator of global fascism, and like in their own words, almost 50 years of trying to get the public and private sector to basically merge. And that's what they're working on. And and the, if you read what their agenda is and how it unfolded, boy, and then read today's headlines, it echoes it. I mean, it, it might as well have been straight out of one of the fake news broadcasts that they released as part of this thing called Event 201, the simulation. Here are a few headlines I saw today. U.S. stocks plunge as coronavirus spreads. Epidemic takes toll on growth. Italy locks down as virus spreads. That was just like three, in the, I think in the newspaper that came to my house. You know, like it just, that was it. So that's what's happening. That's what's freaking people out. At the same time, the WHO, the World Health Organization, comes out and says, we think that the epidemic has peaked in China. We yeah. don't know what's happening elsewhere, but it's peaked. So this also fo- folds into Event 201 that says in the first six months, everyone thought it was under control. Then there was an actual viral flashpoint where it literally went viral. Yeah. And then you have worldwide global collapse, economic implosion, all of that. Somebody tweeted me that Rush said, oh, they're, they're stimulating a panic on purpose to hurt Trump. I actually think it's the opposite. I think that this coronavirus is going to be used to give 
cover to the Keynesian policies that are inevitably going to lead to a massive mm, correction, let's say, in 2021. I'm just, you know, this is just my opinion. Do not take this to the bank. I am, you know, nobody's really great at timing or whatever, but I'm just saying this is how I see it. I kind of saw that this is where things were going to head before the coronavirus came out. So the fact that they're projecting what I kind of thought was going to happen and they're overlaying the coronavirus concept on top of it makes me think it's an excuse. It's definitely falling right in line with event 21 and or event 201, 201. excuse me. And almost in predictable fashion, it's spreading around the world. Some of the stories today are about clusters that are popping up in some parts of the world that have no connection to China, raising new alarms. Like in Italy, there's two cases that they have been unable to connect to China. South Korea has a red alert now. Iran's emerging as a new epicenter, they say. And this has led to cancellations of schools and events in Italy and Iran and other places around the world. Japan is considering now canceling the 2020 Olympics. And the... Whoa! I missed that. The World Health Organization officials, they say the virus has not yet reached pandemic status, but it is absolutely getting to that point. And I expect that it probably will relatively soon. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Event 201 would say that kind of May 1st, it will have kind of gotten a surge. Yeah. And the Diamond Princess, which we... Which is slated to come back online on April 29th. (laughs) They're still testing and getting people off of it, and people are still testing positive on this boat that they release people out into Japan, and predictably, there's been... An increase of people testing positive in Japan that stemmed from a handful of people that tested negative when they got off the ship, were released out into Japan, and they're now testing positive. And just like we talked about, the people who were sent home to all these various places around the world are popping up as positive with the virus. Take the Diamond Princess and then just draw lines to all the places in the world where the passengers went. And you are seeing infections popping up in all of those countries. Even created a list, but it's almost every single country you hear about an increase in the number of infections. They they say, someone who was released with a negative test from the Diamond Princess has tested positive, and they have been out traveling in the undergrounds. They traveled in the public transportation. So they're just foreshadowing these outbreaks in countries all over the world stemming from the Diamond Princess. They're like little Corona Marys, you know, typhoid Mary just running around, spreading it all over the world. That's what it sounds like. Yeah. And yeah. it's and here and this actually also plays in with Event 201 because this idea of government responsibility undermining faith in government is a major theme of this. And between the fishy behavior of China and the incompetent behavior of other governments, it's completely feeding into that. You don't normally get a lot of airplay on government incompetence and sinister activity. But you're getting it this time, and that is part of the scheme, I think. Absolutely. The G20 met this weekend, and they are collaborating over the coronavirus, how it's affecting the global economy. The finance chiefs of the G20 on Saturday agreed to coordinate efforts as the coronavirus outbreak in China emerged as a potential risk to the global economy. So the economies of the world are getting together as just as the the health the health industries of the world are getting together to create global organizations to handle the emerging coronavirus pandemic. In Event 201, it was called the Global Preparedness Monitoring Board. 
Maybe so they'll use the same they, name. Yeah, let's see what they call it in real life. <laughs> so, so this is all to say if Russia is saying they're doing it to hurt Trump, I personally think it gives Trump cover because I thought they were just going to blame the inevitable the 2008 coming home to roost on Trump and his trade policies and all his that kind of stuff on his overstimulus and all that. This actually gives him a little bit of cover too. Also, if this is a substitute for war, which if you read the report from Iron Mountain, these things are substitutes for war in that they create loyal, national loyalty, they create government dependence, they cull the population. They're actually better than war as far as the report from Iron Mountain would go because war kills the strongest. They like stuff that kills the weakest. So this is a substitute for war, it seems to me, and wartime presidents tend to get reelected. And that is exactly what people are worried about. Not nobody's saying it's because of wartime. They're saying Bernie is becoming the runaway lead in the nominating process for the Democratic contender against Trump. And and Democrats are worried that he's just too far left of center to really be able to win against Trump. Yeah, there's some interesting stuff with Bernie over the weekend. One more quick thing about the coronavirus. The White House is expected to ask Congress for coronavirus money this week to go into that preparedness. Yes, that was another event to a one thing was that we should flood the system with money. We need funding. We need financial flows. We need liquidity. All of that. I think every single thing in event 201 has been in the news Every single day, the news is full of stuff that was in Event 201, and every single thing that was in Event 201 has been in the news that I have seen already. Me too. And I would expect the number of cases, positive cases in America, to substantially increase. That news makes me think that. I think we're going to see a larger number of positive tests in the near future. And they're having, like, was it Alabama who was saying that fought to keep people out to keep the like Corona refugees out and Trump supported them. And they're all happy now that he helped them keep these diseased outsiders from their tight knit community. Yeah, And on the other side, San Francisco, uh, town (laughs) in San Francisco has are welcoming them in. They have rejected a federal, there was a federal, some sort of federal thing to quarantine the people who'd come to San Francisco, a town in San Francisco rejected that. They're not going to require them to quarantine. So essentially, yes, welcoming them in a sanctuary city for the coronavirus. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Which will really feed into the the dialectic because then everybody on the right or whatever is against sanctuary cities like, see, you guys can blow all your SJW smoke, but reality is reality and diseases don't have borders. That's funny. That, that's what they say in the world health organization website when they're talking about putting together a team a worldwide team for preventing it is is viruses don't have borders and the report from iron mountain talks about how to create global threats that will increase people's demand for world government but at the same time they want to enhance their dependent on national governments and even set up they actually reference setting up tension between national and global governments to keep the population on one side or the other, but never breaking free. It's really an interesting little 88-page PDF, I can tell you that much. So, so Bernie. Yeah, what ha- what's happening with Well, burn? Bernie won Nevada. Everybody who likes Bernie is excited. The, I would say, establishment Democrats in the media are freaking out. They <laughs> Chris Matthews on MSNBC 
suggested that perhaps Democrats would prefer to wait four more years to actually get a Democrat in that they like, saying that they would prefer Trump instead of Bernie Sanders. I noticed something about the reporting on Sanders this week that really seemed familiar to me. Not only did people freak out after he won Nevada, I think convincingly, he went on 60 Minutes. He did like a 60-minute interview, which Trump also did leading up to the 2016 election. And he sat down with Anderson Cooper, and at one point he told Anderson Cooper that it's unfair to simply say that everything with Fidel Castro's Cuba was bad. Now, that was taken out of context, and that was blasted as the headline of every major website. Everybody on both sides blasting Bernie Sanders as loving communism, loving Fidel Castro. Now, I do believe that he loves the idea of communism as a vehicle for power, but this quote was kind of a throwaway line in the middle of an interview, which he followed it up by saying, for, for example, he, he implemented a, a literary program, a literacy program in the 60s that helped bring literacy to Cuba. Now, I, I don't know how that literacy program <laughs> went out. I do know that Lenin and others created literacy programs for the purpose of propagandizing yes, the public. So yes. there's a double-edged sword to that. However, that the way that the outrage that people showed based on this quote was way over the top because um, it wasn't like it was anything everybody didn't already know about Bernie. Right. And what it reminded me of, along with other things, along everybody attacking Bernie, he's getting tons of media coverage right now from the left and right, almost exclusively about Bernie. Most, almost all of it is negative, and everyone is saying that if he wins the nomination, he could never, there's no way in hell he'd ever beat Trump. You know what this reminds me of? No. Exactly the way it went down for Trump in 2015 leading up to 2016. He'll never win. He's crazy. <laughs> He's terrible. Everybody wow. hates him. Are so, you predicting a Bernie presidency? I am not right now, but what I'm, if we He's go. 78. If we go by the theory that we've talked about that Trump only got elected because of the amounts of attention, even though it was negative, that he got from CNN and those who would present themselves as his opposition. We talk about how mm-hmm. CNN helped him win because of all the coverage they gave. Right. So like the more Republicans say Bernie is our worst nightmare, the more those moderate Democrats will get off the couch. The more that MSNBC and CNN says that, that Bernie is our worst nightmare. It's coming more from them than it is really? Republicans. And you think that will make Democrats like him more? I think that will absolutely. I know a bunch of people in the arts community who blindly love Bernie. I mean, they love him to a fault. But who is the MSNBC criticizing Bernie? Who are they getting off the couch? I think that they're pissing off people. I think it's I think it's the same thing as Trump. Whoever I think the the people who are like I'm if they're attacking this guy as negative all the time and they're always talking about him, that makes me want to go, okay, who is this guy? Look into him. And you know what? He's being victimized by the media all the time. I'm tired of these establishment people trying to give it yeah. to the little guy. I'm gonna stick with him. Yeah, it would have to be that Democrats were getting sick of their own establishment. Whereas when Trump did it, it was Republicans listening to the Democrat establishment and thinking, boy, they're my mortal enemy. If they hate Trump, you know, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Right, yeah. But this is the enemy of your friend. You'd have to, 
But that would be if the tide were turning, and in a way it is, right? I mean, isn't that what the whole AOC versus I think Pelosi so. thing I was think all about? I think the tide is turning, and there, Bernie even talked about during the 60 Minutes interview how four years ago these ideas were radical, but today, 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 they've, we can talk about them. There's more people accepting them. You know what he makes me think like when you talk about him being a communist and I and I do believe that he is a communist elite kind of guy mentality. That's how they get power. And one thing, an insight, I think that's true, maybe true for him, because I believe he's never like had a private sector job, if I'm not mistaken, and which I would say never works in an honest day in his life. But that that I've observed it and I've read about it, that you get this like certain class of intellectuals or, you know, they believe they're intellectuals, people who think they're smarter or better than everybody else. But it doesn't matter and no one cares unless you can actually like go out and make a better widget or a better like dog wash or whatever, you know, unless you're actually doing something valuable and making the money and getting the respect, it doesn't matter. But if they set up a system whereby the intellectuals kind of run stuff and don't actually have to suffer the consequences of being wrong about how to run stuff, that's why they like associations. That was a thing that was in the Murray Rothbard book that the economists, they they were trying to like usher in Keynesianism, which is like really involved, like uh, controlled, centrally controlled economy. And they couldn't get a lot of the economists to get behind it until they explained to them that if this were the way it worked, they would have respect, work, money, power, and they should join the economic society and promote hands-on economics. And that, and they, I, I, you know, I just, I think there's truth to that. And it, it like rubs me the wrong way because they want to tell you, you know, it just comes from a place of unsatisfied and misplaced ego, but I agree with you as a communist, but I think it's like in that vein. Yeah, I would agree with that. And another thing about Bernie, well, I, what I, I would just keep a, keep an eye out for how much media coverage he continues to get. If this keeps up, if they continue to amplify him as being the worst nightmare for the yeah. Democrats, then I would yeah. expect him to definitely win the nomination if yeah. this type of coverage continues. I don't know that it will, but if it does... We could be in for a Bernie versus Trump or how they'll frame it, communist versus Nazism. Not saying oh. Trump is a Nazi. I'm just know, saying that's they, how it'll be framed. But there, and when Trump gets to pound the table against socialism, that just rankles me because his policies are totally socialist. You don't have, it's like, I think the deficits are going to hit $1.3 trillion soon. Yeah. I mean, $1.3 trillion of spending more than you're taking in from the most productive government, the most productive society of all time. That guy is a socialist or fascist or whatever. But he's, I mean, the, the way I read capitalism is you create surplus wealth and use it to invest in higher productivity in the future. It's pretty much as simple as that. I just hear and I don't think point, that's what he does. One point three trillion and I go, what is that even? What, what does, does that, that even mean? mean one point yeah. three trillion dollars. I think it means how many commas is that? Four? I don't know. Thousand million billion that's four dos comas. I mean quatros comas. It's just so distant from something that the that anybody can really understand tangibly that that number that it's almost comical where I, the difference between one trillion and forty trillion I'm like and that's oh, a year yeah that's a year that's crazy that's, that's a, a year we've got twenty trillion plus right so that is a number that is not going to be resolved within this paradigm yes and so Biden finished second in Nevada meaning that if Biden wins South Carolina he's right back in it 
So And Tuesday is Super Tuesday, and I think a third of all delegates are awarded on Tuesday, if I'm not mistaken, a week from tomorrow. Oh, March is that what 3rd. that means on Super uh-huh. Tuesday? Yeah. yeah, Super Tuesday is when, like, many, many, like, the highest concentration, like, the mode yeah. of primaries. So the right. most primaries take place that day, and then, at, like, on it, of any given day. Yeah. One final election-related note for me is keeping everybody's thirst for a Hillary rematch in mind is I saw an article about how Bloomberg is collaborating with Hillary to to get her in by a brokered <laughs> convention. So let's keep a, keep an eye Whoa. out. Whoa, all right, that's a stretch. But hey, crazy things do happen. I think it was happen. Dick Morris that said it. That Bloomberg was trying to to cook it up for Hillary to get the nomination. To somehow cause a brokered convention that Hillary would end up going into. I haven't dug into it that much because right but, now. But are you, do you remember if he was saying that Hillary would be the nominee? Yes, Hillary as the nominee. Wow. Dick yes. Morris now, is he saying he believed it or he's just heard a rumor? I think he was speculating. Yeah, I don't think he believes that. I mean, only because it would ruin his reputation unless it's really going to happen. In which case. Solidify his reputation. Weird. <laughs> All right. So Harvey Weinstein which really his name is spelled Weinstein, but they say it's Weinstein. He, he was convicted, and some of the things that was, he was described as doing, I have worked for people who have been like really aggressive, like scarily, I've got to get out of here, rip my skirt aggressive. I'm not kidding. So I get it, and I bet that it's that, that kind of stuff, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know. I really don't know about the rape and all that, but he was convicted of sexual assault, a 2006 case of sexual assault by a woman who had sex with him two weeks later, consensually. Now, the psychiatrists say you can have weird uh, relationships like that, and I I believe that, too. One of the girls dated him for, like, a substantial amount of time afterwards. I think that Aja Argento was his girlfriend, and she was a big part of this, like, whatever, and uh, about of this narrative that he's like that. The casting couch is disgusting. Yeah. And uh, Bill Cosby is the same tactics, but that is different, I think, from actual assault, which I have experienced, and rape, which I have not experienced. So uh, he was also, I believe, convicted of rape. And the sexual assault is the more serious charge. And that carries 25 years. I don't know... Uh, he was not guilty on the predatory assault, which carried life. Would have, yeah, yes. But what, a couple of things I did not like about it is that a woman, Annabella Shura, she was a Sopranos actress. She never filed charges. He was never convicted, and she got to go and claim all this stuff against him. I don't like this. Was a 2006 charge, I guess. I didn't see anywhere that the statutes of limitations had been changed recently, although I know a lot of the laws have changed. I'm not a fan of unsubstantiated allegations or after the statute of limitations. I think it's very hard to defend yourself against that stuff. And this guy's a piece of crap, but maybe the next guy isn't. Maybe the next guy is just being extorted by somebody or getting politically targeted by somebody. I think it's very important to separate out the rule of law from how unsympathetic a character is. And that's what they do. They take the unsympathetic character to get you to compromise yeah. on the the you know red line, and I don't like it. But yeah. I'm not sure how much of that folded into this case. We'll see what happens to him. They're going to appeal. 
So we'll see where that goes. Yeah. They said he's uh, facing potentially five to 25 years. Is that what they said? Well, the 25 years was the maximum he could get on the sexual assault case. I don't know. Is don't rape know. I mean, not a form of sexual assault? I, I know. Kind of like, I don't, I didn't, you know, I didn't catch that weirdness in time to really I mean, investigate. This just came across the wire. So I didn't, I didn't like really dig into seems that. Seems a bit odd a situation where someone was, someone is hoping, man, I hope I only get the rape charge. <laughs> But maybe there charge. was some modifier on that rape charge. Yeah. Oh, it was. I don't. I don't remember which is which. I can't. I just can't remember the details. Or I don't know. But he was. He got off on the most. The most. Uh, the worst charges, or at least sentence wise. Right. I don't know what the minimum could possibly be. I know P- Bill Cosby, who's blind and incapacitated and aged, who could not possibly pose a threat in the same way plus he's out of quaaludes so <laughs> well he's been in prison he might have been stocking up i'm saying but i'm saying like he he does not belong in prison as like a deter like a to keep people safe yeah and they might use that to say harvey weinstein is old and he's not unsafe anymore so you don't really need to put him in prison so i anticipate the potential double standard they should put and- weinstein in a cell with roger stone really spoil roger stone's party going to prison I, I I would not put it past Roger Stone to like kinky shit. So I don't know well, I, what. I think <laughs> I'm not sure. Clear he does. He wouldn't mind. I, I mean, Weinstein might be a little too much for anybody, but he has good ideas, apparently. If you read the details of the case, <laughs> he definitely got creative. So let's talk about something less brutal. <laughs> the Wilder Fury fight was this weekend. I'll tell you what this is for people who don't follow boxing. It was a heavyweight championship this was heavyweight heavyweight yeah there's no upper limit so they can be gigantic yeah i used to love heavyweight when i was a kid yeah it's the muhammad ali mike tyson the guys whose names you know are the heavyweights and it's really generally usually very impressive but this in this case it was it was like a weird thing tyson fury who is 6'9 and weighs 270 pounds, something like that. He was born a preemie at one pound. Wow. Isn't that crazy? Preemie power, even though I wasn't rooting for him. That's crazy. And his dad, because he had other siblings who were born prior to that, also preemie and died, but he didn't. So his dad named him Tyson, because I guess Mike Tyson was popular at the time, and he was like, he's going to be a fighter. And, uh, I mean, Tyson Fury, you really can't get a more... A scarier name than that in the ring. That's a great fighting name for sure. It's the greatest fighting name, and being six nine and two hundred and whatever pounds that does helps. not hurt. So he ha- he was fighting Deontay Wilder, and it was for one of the four belts. So a lot of times there's a unified title, which is four belts all together right now. This was only one belt on the line. The other three belts are held by Anthony Joshua, who probably will not be able to stand up to Fury. But Fury calls himself, people call him this thing called the lineal champion because he won against Klitschko, the brother of the mayor of Ukraine. So, you know, like that, what Victoria Newland's like, get Klitsch outside, you know, this is his brother. And, uh, and Fury won the, was the unified champ at the time, but never defended his title. So he lost it, but he calls himself the lineal champ because he never lost it in a bout. Yeah. So what was interesting about this one was that, first of all, I would say Fury has the worst body of any professional athlete I've ever seen. He's like a cross between Lurch 
and Jaws. Remember Jaws from the Bond movies with like metal teeth? I don't He's think just, I know the He reference. just doesn't, he doesn't look like an athlete. Whereas, I'm looking at Tyson Fury, though. He does look kind of like one of the Munsters. Yes, exactly. That lurch was the... Or, oh, yeah, you're right. A, he doesn't even yeah. look cut. No, no, he's just a blob. Well, he's not a blob. But now if you look at Deontay Wilder, he actually has the best body I've ever seen on anyone, athlete or not. He's 6'7". And I mean, you could t- teach an anatomy class if he just like flexes. Right, it's crazy. So, And he calls himself the Bronze Bomber. Oh, he's I, ripped. I would, yeah, he's ridiculous. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I would, Fury's yeah. legs are... I mean, this picture of Fury cra- and yeah. his... Yeah, you're right. It was the craziest comparison. So so Wilder calls himself the Bronze Bomber, and he really is the color of like oil rubbed bronze. That's a really good name. And but next to him, like you look at I don't know if it comes up in that picture, but Fury is like the color of a naked mole rat. He's just like this pink and white, you know what I mean? Like he lives underground. Yeah, he's gangly, he's Got a completely shaved head, completely bald head. Yeah. He's got his pants up to his nipples just about. Yeah, they called him on that, and he's like, yeah, whatever. He what yeah. do about it. <laughs> he like, looks what? like an old, angry man. But he's not. He's like 31. Yeah. I mean, it's just crazy. So my husband wanted to I, – I didn't see the first fight between these two guys. I wasn't really following this one. My husband's like, we're – I said, who do we want? And he said – we want Wilder. I want the American. And I like, I'm an anarcho capitalist. I don't think like that, but I'm glad I did because Fury won. And he, at the end, he got the crowd, which is a lot of Brits, to sing Bye Bye Miss American Pie. It was Jeez. very rude in <laughs> Vegas. I thought that was very low class uh, of him. No. He opened by, like, thank you, Jesus, like, and really went into Jesus' Lord. Like, I respect that, I gotta say. And, uh, a lot of people don't like that, but he then when he went into Bye Bye, I was like, he had me for about five seconds, and then he lost me again. Yeah, I say touche to him to that. I'm not gonna Bye Bye, Miss American Pie. I didn't yeah. like it. Ribbon the ribbon your the, your opponent. That's, I got no problem with that. It was a little tricky though because he got the crowd to sing it, and it doesn't start with that. It starts with other stuff. Yeah, you know, like the day the music died. It's about Buddy Holly. Right, he and, tricked and, him. The, yeah. Yeah, and everybody knows that song too, so they don't. They, they might have been like, "Oh right. my gosh, what, I just realized what I'm singing and right he now." Entered by singing Patsy Cline's "Crazy." That so was my favorite part him. of the story. <laughs> I love that. I've always been a fan of if you have intro music to any event, you should counter it from what everybody else does. Like I think a baseball player would really intimidate the other team if instead of some rock music or rap music, he came out to like Amazing Grace really slowly. Well, it was just scary because he's crazy. I know. That's what makes it work. <laughs> yeah, that is what was good about it. So the the fight w- was immediately like clear that Fury was going to just crush the guy. I think he, you know, he cuffed him in the ear pretty quick and he looked like a shaken Wilder did. And it just, whatever. There was a lot of blood. It was not enjoyable to watch just a few rounds in it wasn't like oh he's guy got a good right he's just like oh my god so <laughs> how, did the it, how did he knock him out no no the wilder our guy the american had his corner threw in the towel okay. literally threw the towel in and stopped the fight yeah and it and it was the right thing to do he was not coming back and he was absolutely shaky on his feet so clearly that fight was not fixed at all but I was so 
dissatisfied with the lack of actual boxing. You know, I wanted 12 rounds of heavyweight champ boxing. So I went back and I watched the first fight between those two. Who won? Well, it was a draw, but Fury was widely regarded as the winner. However, they didn't give it to him probably because it was very controversial because in the 12th round, Wilder hit him kind of knocked him down with the left and on the way down really nailed him with a right hook, I think. And I, if I recall correctly, and, and he was out. Fury was out. I mean, he knocked that guy out. I mean, that guy is 6'9". You just think he's made of concrete. And you could see him on the, on the uh, canvas. And then he just woke up and he's like, I- I'm getting up. And he got up and he finished the fight. And that's why, that's why it looked, you know, Wilder had a, like looked like he had a chance. I personally think there is a chance that Fury pulled the punches a little bit in that first fight and probably maybe could have really creamed him. I don't know. I'm waiting for the rematch. Did the judges like give it that. to Wilder in the first one? No, it was, it a, was draw. Just a draw. Split decision. Straight, split split decision. decision. Yeah. So, so which I, is here's how a classic fix is like one guy picks one guy, one guy picks the yeah. other guy, and the other guy picks the tie. Eh. It looks to me like Wilder learned to box in a beautiful gym, boxing boxing ring with great trainers, people surrounding <laughs> yes. him. Someone to rub to his, his body diet, with oil. Like a- yes, <laughs> he's getting massages after every workout. And Fury, it looks to me like he learned to fight in dive bars starting like at the age of 10. I think his father, he was a, an Irish traveler, which is like a gypsy. He calls himself the Gypsy King. And I think it, he's the one where the father had him beating people up at like 10. That's what he looks like. He yeah, looks like, like literally guy. going just, on the road, beating people up. He looks like he Triple loves G to like fight all the time. He, Yeah, he's definitely a scary looking dude. I wanted to like him. Anyway, so let's see if... He gets all of the, if he becomes the unified champ once again, if Anthony Joshua will face him. I, I almost wonder if Anthony Joshua's just like, you know what, I'm just, I'm not doing it. No, Anthony Joshua is the person <laughs> who holds the title right now officially. There's four belts. So Fury just won one of them from Wilder. To be the unified champ, he's got to fight Joshua for the other three, or Joshua needs to step back. Well, I'd like to see that fight as well. What I saw in the reporting on that is I saw the picture of Tyson Fury licking the blood off of uh, yes. the other guy's shoulder. Yeah. That's that a fighter a right there. That guy's bloodthirsty. It, it was very reminiscent of his namesake. But that guy actually bit his opponent's ear off. So yes. He went a, I remember actual that. Tyson went a little further. Have you seen the commercial? I think it's like a, maybe a Foot Locker commercial or something. But... It has various people apologizing to people. And in one of the scenes, Mike Tyson shows up <gasps> Vander at Holyfield? Vander Holyfield's door. No way. Like, Vander, I'm sorry. And then he has a little box. He goes, it's your ear. And Does he, Vander actually show up? They give, yeah, they give each other a hug. I have to go look at that right now. It's a That's great a commercial. Absolutely, I bet. You guys can find your Drive Time News Blast every weekday afternoon at 4 p.m. on thepropreport.com or your favorite podcasting platform with the Propaganda Report podcast feed. We will talk to you tomorrow.